Me Too product and you throw up the same pictures everybody else has and you get the same really bad reviews because you've never, you know, looked at or just made a few simple tweaks, then you're going to fail. But those people that really go into branding and understand it and are consistent with it, that's so important. Hey everyone, it's Norm Ferrar, aka The Beard Guy here, and welcome to another e-commerce and Amazon FBA podcast. Today, we're talking about the ultimate branding workshop, how branding really works. And just a sec, I think there's a couple of topics here, if my producer friend did this properly, and there are, very good. We're going to be talking about a couple of common um, everyday myths that happened uh, in branding, the biggest mistakes, and the low-risk areas that you can grow your brand. So welcome to another Lunch with Norm, the e-commerce and Amazon FBA Okay, so today, like I said, the ultimate branding workshop, and we're going to be talking about how branding really works. Our guest is the adorable founder and chief branding scientist of Quantum Branding. He helps brands become authentic and memorable category leaders through the brand of uh, brand science. His playful, lighthearted, and articulate insights make it easy to understand the science of branding. He's passionate about helping growing purpose-driven brands to get to the next level, disrupt their market, to become the industry authority in their meant and made to... Let's try that again. Take two. But this never gets edited out anyways. Kelsey always makes me look like a dork. Anyways, a dispute. He's passionate about helping growing province-driven brands in their industries. And we're going to be talking to Stephen Fry. I even pronounced Stephen's names right. And you'll notice when you see how it's spelt. But I pronounced it right. Stephen Fry is a first-time guest on the show. And uh, hopefully with that introduction, he'll be a second-time guest. All right. Sponsor, please. This episode of Lunch with Norm is sponsored by Shergo Marketing. Ready to take your brand to the next level on TikTok and Instagram? Shergo Marketing specializes in helping entrepreneurs and coaches build profitable brands on TikTok and Instagram and in less than 90 days. With Shergo Marketing, you can build your brand, create incredible video content, and increase leads without spending a single dime on ad spend. Visit ShergoMarketing.com today and elevate your brand. Now, let's get back to the show. And enjoy this episode. Welcome, Stephen. Welcome. I, I have to say, I've never laughed so much in the backstage <laughs> of StreamYard until today. So thank you very much. And thank you. Uh, uh, do you call them Beardos? Uh, like Beardos, like, yes, yes. I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> so thank you. Uh, whether you identify as a Beardo or not, or if you uh, happy Pride Month. Uh, so if you've come out as a Beardo, I don't know. Uh, but wherever you are in your Beardo journey, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, and great to be here. Thanks. Thanks, Norman. Go Beardos. <laughs> All right. So I can't wait to start talking about this because, yes, 30 years of branding. So in the background, early years, uh, you know, more full time into it. But, um, yeah, it's all about branding. And Amazon, I don't know how much you pay attention to Amazon, but Amazon got in the branding game recently, not recently, a few years back, 
when Nike left and they just said that they didn't have any brand support. So uh, now they've they've started to build up and they want brands to come onto the platform and brand community is, um, well, if you have a brand community, uh, you get emails and you get notifications, but most important of all, you don't look like just a micro brand pushover, you know? And, and I think that's really imp important when you go to a Me Too product and you throw up the same pictures everybody else has <laughs> and you get the same really bad reviews because you've never, you know, looked at or just made a few simple tweaks, then you're going to fail. But those people that really go into branding and understand it and are consistent with it, that's so important. And we we love just reinforcing it to the beardos. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And what's interesting is uh, you're talking about a lot of the really same important things that I talk about every day with my work at Quantum Branding and the tenets of what I call brand science. It's actually the science of how brands grow. Mm. And so looking forward to, to sharing a little bit more um, about some of those things today with you. Well, why don't we get into so a lot of newer sellers they just came out of a course and this is usually what happens Stephen. in case you, you don't know a lot of people will either watch really bad youtube videos and come out completely wrong other people uh and this is what we recommend is you go and you get a course it doesn't matter if it's a 49 dollars course. well it does matter but you know if you only have 49 dollars to 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 pay well okay so th that's good at least you get some knowledge but if you can get some of the better courses um what are some of them helium 10's got a freedom ticket with kevin king if you subscribe you get it for free and that used to be a three thousand dollar course um mm. Amazon, or Amazing has got a course that's great. Uh, Brandon Young's got a course that's great. There's a bunch of them out there, but they go through every little module. And part of it, the beginning of it, is understanding uh, branding. So I think that's that's a starting point. But my question is, once you go through the course and you, you're looking at your product opportunity, where does brand come into it? Sure. And what's interesting is... <clears throat> One of the, and you said, you know, we're going to get into the mist, and I think this is a good place to just start off with it. Most people think that branding is a one and done activity, and that couldn't be farther from the truth. You know, it's kind of like working out or going to the restroom or taking a bath or a shower, or like you don't just like, oh, I worked out, I'm done. Like, oh, we developed our brand, we're done. It's actually an active everyday everyday plan. And I think fitness is probably the best metaphor. And clearly, um, I don't know if listeners and viewers can tell, uh, um, I work out a lot. <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, but I, I understand the basics of working out. And the goal is to go from here to there and get your body in peak physical form. And that's the same thing. Like that takes it was your brand is it takes vision and it takes an understanding of knowing um, what is optimal brand. And so the goal is to start off with identifying, you know, who you are, what you do, why that matters, and then sharing that consistently over time. And actually, uh, most brands think that, you know, it's all about their brand mark. And this is kind of brand myth number two. It's not really just about your brand mark or some people say logo. We say right. brand mark in my world. So I'll invite you to say that new world, that new word too. So it's not just about your brand mark because at the end of the day, branding works in a really unique way. And we have to kind of take a, a, a side rabbit trail quest to understand how it works. 
So marketing says, hey, Norm, do business with me. But then branding is the stuff that's unique that you remember about me so that you do business with me. And then I work in the science of how do I make those things more effective? And what it comes down to is it comes down to your memories. So we're creating sensory memories every day in this uh, this world of, of the way our mind works. And it's actually system one, system two thinking. There's a book you can read. I won't bore you on it. But our brain is always working in the background 95% of the time to make memories. So branding is making sensory memories about the world around you. Well, if you make a distinct memory and everybody has that same memory, it's now famous. So distinct and famous are the two most important factors that your brand needs to have in your category. And so you may start with a brand mark, but you need to make more memories than that. So you need word, shape, color, sound, story, character, illustration, things that are unique to you specifically that help you tell your story to your audience. And the more of those assets you have, the more memories you're going to create. So they're going to think of you. So, so really at the end of the day, we're in the memory making game. We're using branding tools and those tools are our memories. Uh, there are distinctive brand assets. They are our archetype. Um, they are your messaging. They're your strategy of how you're working to share that. All that comes together and builds what we call a brand platform. But really at the crux of it, it comes down to your distinctive brand assets. Those are the first and most important um, element. So when you're talking about whether it's, you know, creating your own branded community, whether it's creating your own, you know, white label, you know, private label line, any of those things, people need to understand what makes you distinct. And we want to be distinct, not different. Um, Norm, do you like cookies? I love I know, cookies. You strike, you strike I, me as a cookie guy. I am a huge cookie guy. Uh, do you have a favorite cookie? Oh, yep. Macadamia white chocolate. <sighs> We are cookie brothers, my friend. There we go. Uh, so white macadamia, <laughs> white macadamia, chocolate, white, white chocolate. I, I'm getting whatever you got. Ma- okay, white the, chocolate the macadamia nut. I'm cookie. picking that 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 mouth that mouth <laughs> that you had earlier. Uh, but yeah, so what's really cool about white chocolate macadamia nut cookies? I got it. Uh, <laughs> Bell. <laughs> Is it's distinct. There's not many white chocolate cookies, but then there's also, you don't have many combinations with macadamia nuts. So it's highly memorable. So if this is our metaphor, when you are thinking about your brand, you don't want to be different because if you're different, that makes you cake or pie or crackers or chips. You actually want to be a cookie. So you have to be the most distinct cookie. So there's actually kind of a fundamental understanding of you need to know what other people are doing. That's why most people do what we call competitive audits. The goal is just to see like, what are other people saying? What's the language they're using? Because at the end of the day, we don't want people to see our competitors and go there first or see our stuff and go to our competitors because something we're doing is triggering those memories. Got it. That's uh that's very interesting the way that you put it out. Like when I, when I was reading uh, your your bio, your introduction, when I messed that all up, you know, and you were saying that you were able to explain this like very in, in simple, uh, just a simple, articulate way. 
it's very interesting how you put that out there. I, I like it. Did you think I made that up? Did you? Yeah, think I, I really a... did. I, I like. I thought you're going to be very complicated quantum scientist. Uh, you know. <laughs> but anyways, I love it. Um, if, the, if you if if you drink out of a fox cup like I do, you better be fun. I don't know. I don't know. You just. I mean, you've got a no back. A yeah. beardo mug. On on brand with our orange, I'm telling you. One's coming your way. We just need your address. I can't <laughs> wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. And it comes with M&M's. Let's see how we do the rest of this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's try. Uh, so uh, anyway, the other part to this. So you've got, you were talking about, you know, the logo, right? So your yeah. brand mark. But there's also the culture, the brand culture that you're trying to grow in your company. Sure. And I, I've always found some companies like the owner is almost like a dictator. They dictate how people are going to think about their brand instead of having their brand culture grow within their company. And you have these people that start preaching the brand culture because they love it. And this might be a little bit more advanced than the average person just starting to sell the first time. But the intermediate sellers here, they have either one or more people starting to grow their brand and they become the brand ambassadors within the company. And I, I saw it this weekend where people uh, were in this Titan group. So the Titan group is a, a is just, um, it, it, it's a mentoring group for Amazon sellers. Well, you have to join it. It's a paid service. And I saw people like not pushing it, but talking to people that weren't in it had nothing to do with sales or commissions or anything, but all of a sudden talking to people passionately about why they joined the group. And you want to talk about a brand that just stood out and these people are not getting compensated. They are brand ambassadors to the T they're They love it. And it would be interesting to have them on just to talk about it because the way they've grown the brand is, uh, is genius actually it's it's excellent the way that they've got this huge brand that it's just one big group and they all have one specific goal there's lots of groups out there that have the same thing but I, you know i think they have 1500 members or something like this which in the amazon community is great and it's not a cheap organization but it's worth everything about it everything um oozes titan so Anyways, I just wanted to kind of get down a different rabbit hole, but going back to that first question. So you're starting, you want to get into Amazon. You're looking for these products. You're looking for product opportunity. Where, where does brand start off? Where do you start thinking, oh, I need a, a, to come up with something? Sure, sure. This, uh, there's actually a really great tool, and um, uh, I think... It, I can't take credit for it, but Simon Sinek talks about the golden circle and he talks about the the big why. Um, and that actually roots itself in the core of branding. And so uh, say you're creating a store, you're creating, you know, your own branded kind of like outdoors store. Let's just use that. I'm an Eagle Scout. I don't know if you go camping. I used to go up to, um, uh, I used to go up to Algonquin and Tamagami, North Bay. Oh, really? Uh, lots of, lots of places uh, up north to go camping. Lady yeah. Evelyn, um, uh, just different places there. And we go camping. So let's just make up our fictional uh, outdoor Amazon store. What it really starts with is, you know, what are the products? That's the what, that's the outside. But we want to get to the inside. 
the how, that's the how you deliver it, how you present it. But what really comes down to the middle is, is this big why. And Simon Sinek in his book um, talks about, um, you know, why. I think that's the name of his book, actually. Uh, uh, I'm getting no props from him to sell this, but uh, just the idea of why, why are you doing what you're doing? What is the core root? And this is actually the same core root in branding uh, because it comes to the concept of internal motivation. And so uh, uh, are you familiar with uh, psychology and the, and the term archetype? No, no, I mean, no, I'm not. So think of it, think of it like, uh, which Disney princess are you? I'm sure you're familiar with those quizzes uh, and, and those things on Facebook. Um but those, those quizzes are all kind of trying to find an archetype or they're trying to find what type of persona you are. And so uh, you may have uh, an archetype that you are and they're based on uh, the Jungian archetypes. Um, there's, you know, four times three, that's 12. Uh, just doing my math. Uh, so there's 12 of them and they relate to your internal world, your external world, others and yourself. So there's like the magician. So Disney would be a good example of the magician and magic. Um, Crayola would be, you know, the artist or, um, you know, REI or Jeep may be an example of the explorer. So that's like the, that's the, the like, what is the thing that you are always filtering your story, your lens, your business, everything through? And so when you're looking and we're creating our fictional outdoor company, maybe we're going to use, yes, the explorer archetype as part of it. But then maybe we're going to create ooh another one, the sage. So people are going to come to my new wilderness brand community because I'm becoming the go-to resource for outdoors because explore that's our internal motivator that you and i both share but then you're also coming to me because these are trusted products that i've selected because they're good you know why am i not using a whisper light stove why am i using this parachute cord why am i not you know uh what do i recommend to you know put you for uh, a solar charging case blah 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 and so my why is what everything is rooted in and so this is really kind of a uh, you have to do a little work and say, what are what are the reasons I'm doing what I'm doing? This sounds so woo-woo, but it's so true because it it's the central thread. If you look at any advertisement, whether it's a celebrity store online or off, whether it's a big brand, there is always an archetype. And the archetype is not the lens for them. It's the motivator for you. So... If I'm buying Nike clothes, just do it. Just like, you know what? Sometimes just get up in the morning and go running like discipline. That's my motivator. Like I need to get up. And so if I have products that reinforce force that motivation, if I love luxury vehicles, I'm going to love, you know, uh, brands that connect with craftsmanship and artisanal. And so they have expert and maybe craftsmanship you know, sage and craftsmanship are there two, it's kind of like a both and it's like 70, 30, this, you know? Um, so the, so the idea is like, you really want to root when you're looking at starting your brand, what is the core motivator? Why do you want people to come to you? You got to test that out a little bit. You got to test and make sure those products resonate that and that people relate to that. But without that central thread being sewn through everything you do, doesn't matter if Michelangelo himself made your brand mark. 
Um, it doesn't matter how great the products are. It doesn't matter how intuitive your store is and your messaging is. If you don't have that central motivator, there's not that universal truth to ground your brand storytelling. And you shared a really great example of the Titans and how they had an understanding of what it is and how they could naturally share. Like, why would I want to share this? See what it's done for me. Hear how it's helped me. Oh my gosh, it can help you in those ways. Because they understood the motivation behind all the action. So when we think of branding, you know, we're talking about creating memories. There is a specific intention and also a heightened emotion. So a specific intention, a specific archetype, and then a heightened um, emotion that comes as a result of it. Because at the end of the day, we're creating memories with our autopilot minds. Um, and the great book to read about this is Daniel Kahneman's Thinking Fast and Slow. But at the end of the day, 95% of our brain is on autopilot. And it's not rational. It's not learning it's not, no, it's irrational. It's salience. It's memories. So we want to, we want to make those memories. And the best way to do that is by being consistent with your motivation, your motivational thread, your Simon Sinek's why, your archetype. So start with your archetype, um, understand who you are, why you're doing what you're doing. And then the rest really, really falls into place after that. That's the hardest step. That's Literally the hardest, the hardest step. step. That's why it's called oh, okay. strategy. <laughs> You know, uh, now I figured out why one of my products failed. So you were talking about Nike and just tell me more about that. Just, just do it. Well, I put out a shoe line the same time Nike did. And I just said, just don't, I guess that's probably the why <laughs> <laughs> it works for me, but, uh, <laughs> just like, you know, going did to the also gym. those shoes were they also slippers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> With the upside down hoop. It, I mean, it just didn't work. <laughs> oh, my. Okay. So we are at the bottom of the hour. And if you're new to Lunch with Norm, well, at the top of the hour, we have something called the Wheel of Kelsey. And that's where we give away a prize or a giveaway. Uh, today, we do have a giveaway. And if you want to enter, it's hashtag Wheel of Kelsey. Tag two people. And you'll get a second entry. Oh, and by the way, if you do have any uh, questions or comments, uh, please put them into the comment section and we will get to them at the top of the hour. But anyways, Stephen, you have a great giveaway today. Can you tell us a little bit more about it? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I, I feel like we need to cue the like that. You can ring your bell. Music. But yes, today we are giving an hour-long brand accelerator call. And quantum branding is all about moving your brand forward um, to create an authentic and memorable brand. And so in this conversation, you're going to act with me, just me. We're going to talk about the tenets of brand science, things like the laws of growth, brand authority pyramid, category norms. We're going to make connections and we're, I'm just going to do it by asking you questions and you're going to learn along the way, kind of like we're doing on the podcast today. Yeah. So you don't have to know about these things. I know about them. So I'm going to ask you questions, and at the end, magic's going to happen. You'll leave with a game plan, knowing how to get uh, where you want, what to work on, and what to prioritize next in your brand's future, uh, making it easier for you to create campaigns, uh, make it easy for your team, and easy for you to grow your brand. That's Back fantastic. to you, Norm. All right. That's a great <laughs> giveaway. So, okay. So now, Kelsey, if you're doing your job, you'll have your finger on the button. 
Hit the sponsorship, please. This episode of Lunch with Norm is sponsored by Jeff Schick Legal. Amazon suspensions are very real. But how do sellers like us protect ourselves against these costly suspensions without spending thousands of dollars? For a very low monthly retainer of just $89, get full access to Amazon attorney Jeff Schick. Mention Lunch with Norm and receive 50% off the first two months. Visit jeffschick.com today. That's J-E-F-F-S-C-H-I-C-K.com. Now let's get back to the show. Okay, so the second part of this, let's talk about, first of all, we've talked about how to get started. I don't know if we got into the body enough, but... um if we wanted to talk uh, to some of the people, we've got a lot of people listening right now. Um, anyways, how can they go about? You've you've done an ex- like a great job explaining uh, the the first part of this, but getting into the body of it, uh, sure. should people be looking at professionals to do this? Should they start on their own? Because it's an evolving thing. You can always change your your you know anything to do with your brand or your culture. Um, how would you start off? That's a, that's a really great. I feel like I'm teen. Uh, did I pay you money to to like ask these questions? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, let me tell you. Uh, no, uh, so that's a really. Thank you for that great question. I didn't ask you to ask. I actually did ask you to ask me that. So that's great. So uh, you created you, you teed that up so well. Thank you so much. So one of the things to think about is you know when we think of modern brands and we think of Fortune 500 companies, we think of like you know Fortune 500 brands like you know Amazon themselves. Uh, when we think of you know Target, Walmart, uh, we think of these big brands and we think that they have bajillion dollar budgets to do bajillion dollar things. And what's interesting is they've just built their business according to a, just like a a chart, like a a pyramid. They went from traction. They went from an idea to traction, to growth, to scale, to authority. And so when you're at an authority level, you can spend on mass market advertising And so then we think that that's so professional and only they can do it. And that's actually another myth. So we're sneaking another myth. Everyone can use the same secrets, the Fortune 500 level secrets of brand science. And if you, now that we already know that it's based on your memories and we know that your distinctive brand assets, your word, your shape, your color, your brand mark, your story, your archetype we talked about, the more of these assets we have, the more memories we have, the more we want to use them consistently. And there's actually seven laws of growth. Um, and, and the first one is make it easy to buy. Don't complicate it. System one, system two thinking, that's the first step. We don't want to make it complicated. Um, we want to make it very simple for people to understand, oh, mittens for kittens. Oh, you know, baskets for otters. Oh, like whatever your product is, make it simple. Make people just really understand. And it's the nuance and the storytelling. But here's the thing that you can take right away. You've got your brand. You've got your archetype. Well, now you need to build those distinctive brand assets. The average brand only has three to five. Your brand mark, your color, maybe a tagline and a color combination. At the end of the day, that doesn't pale. It pales in comparison to the you know, Coca-Cola has, you mentioned Coke Zero. 
And I was like, do I, do I, <laughs> do I bring that on the show? Uh, they don't pay me either, but I wish they would. But, you know, Coca-Cola has over 150 distinctive brand assets and they're always refreshing them. We just got to this new can itself um, before they were black and they established that black meant zero sugar. Then they changed the design and they refreshed it. So then it looks new, but it's still using those old distinctive memory structures. Oh, black means this, you know, silver. Me yes. <laughs> man Coke nation. There we go. Um, it's like all man Coke. Uh, it's equal opportunity Coke, but uh, yes. Um, so at the end of the day, we knew what that meant because they refreshed it and they built it. And that is the core of what we need to do. So how do we do that? actually have a thing um we're going to put it in the show notes i'm going to make sure that we get it um it's but it's just a bitly link if you know what bitly is if you've used a computer before it's bitly forward slash brand science checklist it's actually the first link on the top of my link tree so you can click to that and on this brand science checklist um you can learn how to look at your distinctive brand asset palette like Bob Ross. So the next time that you have a campaign, a promotion, a thing you want to do, you're able to say, oh, I need a little color here. Oh, I need a brand mark here. Oh, I need to make sure. Oh, what is my archetype? Am I using it? And think of it like a menu. If you go to a restaurant and they only have two things on the menu and you're hungry and you, you don't have something that sounds good to you, you're not going to eat there. The more options you have in your assets that you're using regularly, you're going to have more opportunities to create memories with people because there's more options for them. It's like me showing you versus me showing you and then telling you, and then you researching it. The more ways that you learn, you remember, that's really all the science behind that is. There's no such thing as visual versus auditory learners. It's just the more ways you make connections with the memories that you learn. So the same thing with your brand, you can check out the brand science checklist. Just click on there. Ah, oh, thank you so much, Kelsey. Uh, bitly brand science checklist and when you go on there um you can you can just count your own and it's an assessment tool the goal i will be very honest with you the goal is to get it to 15 to 20 hmm. so that's a little bit in each category you know so you maybe have some photography you have a color color combination you have a tagline you maybe have some words you use that are trademarked or specific to you of your process or your store and then you have the actual word of your brand and then there's the brand mark of your brand maybe there's a shape in there um if you are the voice and face of your company uh kind of like norm is norm would be under the character category like i am as well for my company so there's you know but character can be anything from a cartoon to a mascot it can even be a celebrity you know you're not you when you're hungry and then there's you know a funny video of you know betty white you know or danny devito in the commercial so that's why we use celebrities because we're trying to hinge this memory with this other memory and those memories come from having distinctive brand assets and you can check how many you have with the brand asset checklist um, and that is your first, that is your first start, uh, how to figure out how many you have and how do you get there? And there's instructions. It's very easy. Uh, and you can self-assess. Wow. That's great. So it is there. Kelsey's put it into the, uh, comment section. If you're looking for that and I would, it's, it's similar what you're talking about. And I'm, I'm sitting here listening. It's almost like the, the seven, uh, touch points in marketing where you've got to get on radio, billboards. People have got to understand you. So once you have these assets and they start to understand it, it's just like an extra leverage when you're going on to these different marketing um, 
not, not marketing tools, but um, sure. uh, into marketing campaigns. You know, no, it sounds aspects. like you just made a click. It clicked for you. It sounds like you just made a connection. Yeah. With yeah, and 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 here's the interesting thing. Um, there's nothing wrong with social media. There's nothing wrong with these are actually outlets or what I call channels. At the end of the day, they make the wheel turn of marketing. They are just one spoke. So maybe radio and LinkedIn. I don't know. I just made that up. Maybe, you know, maybe there's two that are most effective. It's like an engine in a plane. You want to have two engines, your most powerful engines. So maybe it's Facebook and LinkedIn. Those are your two. Or maybe it's Google ads and pay-per-click you know, social media ads. I don't know, but you're going to want to have two marketing engines that are your main focus. If you have extra ones after that, that's great, but you really just want to have two. But here's the thing, no matter what that activity is in the wheel of all the options you have, they're a tool. As technology changes, we'll probably have a new kind of marketing comes out, you know, sonic floating panel marketing, maybe a thing in 30 years from now. I don't know. But here's the thing that I want folks to walk away with. Those are the means of how it's delivered. The goal is to create the memories. So there's two factors that we want, and this is a great way, time to bring it up, is mental availability in physical availability. In my work with Mars Pet Care, uh, we taught uh, their teams, their, their marketing, their sales, their design, and their packaging teams, um, a thing called a flywheel. And it is based on mental availability, physical availability, and scale. And those are really the three factors. And we shared with those four departments why it was so important. Um, and it became a great tool for all the teams to understand because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter uh, what you're doing if you're not advancing the mental availability of your brand. So the goal is either maintain or advance. So here's what happened during COVID and during uh, the time that shall not be named. <laughs> I'm not allowed to say COVID online uh, anymore. Uh, but you know, during that time, people cut their budgets and it was understandable. But then things started to shift back to normal. We found, you know, there is no such thing as going back to the yield ways. Marketing became fragmented. And it became really hard to get that mental availability again because the traditional methods weren't working. And anybody who was like, like pivoted, that's another word I don't like saying, but, you know, anyone who pivoted and realized like, oh, I need to tack the sailboat. We need to address this differently and get there in front of my customers they did so and they succeeded because they addressed how do I stay in front of my customers during this difficult time so that I can have mental availability. So does it matter? Like you mentioned the seven touch points. I'm sure like there's like a bajillion touch points now like, yeah. and there will always be more in growing. But the goal is those those are great. It doesn't matter which ones you use. You want to champion a couple of them, but they only function to help increase your brand's mental availability at the end of the day. So why? So people think of you first. So at the end of the day, the more memories you have about something, we have more what we call nodes. It's like clumps. It's like clumps of, you know, like uh, hot cocoa when you're mixing it up. Like there's like a really, really big clump at the top. That's how your memories are. Like the more memories you have and the more they get linked together, the more they'll think of you first. So all your marketing activities, there's not one that is more important than the other. They all are meant to drive top of mindness to your customers. So why? They go out and buy you. 
what is, so you've got all these competitors out there and especially on Amazon. So you've got, you know, huge, when you, when you type in, you've, I'm, I, I don't know, but I, I guess that you've probably been on Amazon typed in a keyword and you get all these search results. Sure. How can a new brand really stand out from an established brand? How can we kind of level the playing field when you're trying to put together a brand? So this is a great example of white spacing. Yeah. Uh, so think of, uh, if I'm going to use another metaphor, there's lots of metaphors here. Um, and I try to, hopefully people will find a metaphor that clicks for them. Like, I'm sorry if you don't, you know, eat cookies. <laughs> we'll talk about baseball now. So uh, a, a good example is in baseball. You have, it, it starts with, you need to understand the basics of baseball. And basically you can hit the ball in between first base and third base. Boop. That's where you can hit the ball. And at the at the start of it, you have to make it to first base. The goal is you want to score by getting a home run. Here's the interesting thing. Everyone likes home runs, but do you know the most scores are made by running the bases? Small, little, everyday plays. So first thing I'm going to encourage you to do is stop thinking that you have to nail it out of the park every time. That's not sustainable. It's not doable. It's not realistic. You want to create everyday transactions that are moving the, the needle for your brand. So you're just, you're just going to make small tweaks. That's the first thing. Second thing is you got to know your customer because your customer is first base in our metaphor here. So we got to get to first base. We got to know what customers are looking for. I actually get emails. Um, I'm an Amazon associate. Um, uh, I, I get emails about what's trending, what's hot. But here's the interesting thing. If I don't filter that through my customers and what I know, um, then that's not helpful. Like, you know, I can, I can promote luxury products, but my little brand, um, I do pottery on the side. I don't know if you know this, but um, I do pottery. I do craftsmen, dinnerware, serveware, bakeware, and small batch tile. So all I did was say like, you know what are some really great like tea towels that would go with this or silverware? These are the things that would go good with my brand. And, and so I have to filter it through what I know my customers want. So if you don't know what your customers want, you're not going to make it to first base. Third base is what is everyone else doing? And you can't be too weird and do something so different. You're going to hit the ball and be like, that doesn't look like an artisanal pottery store. It's got, you know, cute cat emoji toilet paper. Like that doesn't resonate with my artisanal craftsmanship vibe. So you can't do, I don't know, that's a bad example. Probably that's more of a first customer example, but uh, you got to know what your customers want and you got to know what the industry is doing. And then you can know where to hit the ball by what other people are doing. So if they are using specific colors, you know, if everyone is using blue, maybe don't make blue your same color, but make it your secondary color. So it feels rooted in that category. I just did a project and we found that everyone in the realtor space in Texas was blue. So we made theirs a vintage gold is the first color and then blue was that supporting and it, this works for any category mm. when i use category examples um of just client examples like brand science works for i've worked in over 65 categories and counting um it works the same because our minds work the same sequence of cognition and color and all these things um this is a really good point though don't just pick a color because you think it means oh yellow means happy well yellow does not mean happy in the dental category it means stained teeth so you may want to avoid yellow if you are promoting dental products. Just hope that helps. Note to so self. there's, 
there's category norms and that's really important. But the goal is you can, based on your just initial understanding, get started by assessing what are other people doing. And then as you start that process of building your brand assets, your color, your shape, your words, make sure that that nobody else is using that word. Make sure that other people aren't using that color. Make sure that those sensory assets, you know, at the end of the day, are all car companies the same? Yeah, they make they make cars. But the stories they tell are drastically different. And that's where we talked about that Simon Sinek, the why. That's where it's rooted in the first. And then the second thing, the assets that we go and create to tell that story help us. Um, and then when we look at our competitors, we're just like, is anyone else telling those same kind of stories? Is anyone else using those kinds of words? Is anyone else using those kinds of photography? You know, the goal is to use those same photographs for your three different products consistently. Use them for a quarter. Don't change your photography for for a year or a quarter. And then test and measure. Like, do people, does this, does this lifestyle product photography look really good for these products? I've gone on some Amazon stores and honestly, it is the product photography or the lifestyle photography that is a make or break for me because it shows me, do they understand who I am? Right. So it's like, it's like, it's like people aren't going on your website or your store to look for you. They're going to your store to look for themselves. And what their motivator are is that. That's okay. I'll make the blooper reel. Yeah. (laughs) So they're looking for what what their motivation, their end goal is. And I also want to stress, this is a really great point. Um, We want to break away from this idea that everyone has a problem to be solved. Because sometimes it really is just about going from one emotional state to another state. So I want to be happy. I want to be happier. Stop thinking of your, 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 your customers as transactions and start to think of them as people who want to live a better, different life. It's not good or bad. It may be from good to better. It may be from better to amazing. You know, if you're, if you have an electronics store, this is a great example. If I'm buying electronics for my home, you know, what's the difference between this pair of headphones and this pair of headphones? This one can help me cancel out noises. Show that so that people can have more focused conversations. Show how people, it's like the benefit of the benefit. I have a Roomba that has or an electronic vacuum that also has a mop attachment so I can spend less time mopping and more time with my family. Like this is about going from one state to another. And if, if you can't start to make this connection with your brand and your customer of how am I helping them go from here to here? And, and this is really a different take on, and I'm, and I'm sure you know this with your experience, like, ooh, let's do a customer audit. Um, let's do a, a marketing product validation. Um, let's break down their pain points and triggers. And like, like let's, let's humanize humans. Let's embody humans in their bodies and give them a space to be humans. And then how do we show up for them? If you can understand how you show up for people and how your brand can help them accomplish just going to a new state, whether that's a higher state, you know, um, you know, it's not always good or bad. It's not always a problem. But if we, if you understand the state that they want to get to, 
and you understand what your competition is doing in that space, already, already that's going to help you out. And I know listeners, you may be thinking like, Stephen, this is really, really broad sweeping stuff. But actually, like if you can sit down and start this, it's going to make everything else so much easier because it's, it really is. It's, it's the motivators. It's the motivators. It's the state you want. It's the stories you're telling. And then your marketing is going to become so much easier when you know, like, hey, Norm, do you want to advertise at this convention? It's for underwater basket weaving um, with uh, a lot of Renaissance crowd and uh, Star Trekkies. And you can sit back and be like, mm. you check in with yourself. You're like, mm. You're like, actually, no, 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 no. That's that's a really good connection for my audience. I, I love Trekkies and, and my product helps them. So 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 when we're creating opportunities, it really is more about reaching the distracted, emotional viewer, creating those memories, creating that salience and reaching them in their everyday life because it's not about just converting them because it's not just one and done. It's consistent exposure. It's constant pulsing of, of these brand assets, your messaging of your story. So it's like the first time I meet you, first time I meet you, I learn a little bit about you. Second time I meet you, I learn more. Third time I meet you, by the time we get to become best friends, you didn't ask me to marry you the first time we hung out. Well, you haven't yet, but so you got to get engaged before you humanize that approach. Right. Humanize our approach. Right. (laughs) You don't have to ask me to marry you, by the way. No, we have to get engaged first. But uh, (laughs) thank you. Thank (laughs) you. You're a proper gentleman. I appreciate it. (laughs) So the the last question I want to, because I can't believe we've blown 50 minutes and it's all great content. But I've got to get you to come back because uh, there's so oh, many more questions. You. But oh, anyways, I love that. I love to. let's let's talk about just some mistakes people make. Mm. Mistakes. <sighs> A few mistakes. Uh, I think the the biggest mistake that you can make is by complicating your customer. I think this, like, if there's one mistake, I want to like. We could talk about so many things, but if mm-hmm. there's just one. There's no such thing. Let me just, if you're, if you're wanting to reach customers, I think you are. Thank you. That's why we're listening. That's why we're talking. We want to reach customers. Everyone has a business. It's okay to sell. It's okay yep. to sell what you do and share your stuff. But if you want to reach customers, do, don't do yourself the most disservice. Make it easy for your customers to buy by simplifying who your customer is. Get rid of this complicated in this term. I hate this term. Uh, there's a couple of movies and TV shows with this property, but it's called your customer avatar. Um, and it's not fire, ice, and, and water over here. And it's not big blue Cameron, uh, James Cameron movies. Uh, your customer avatar is this idea that it's a persona. And I actually want to invite you to, to, to not do that because here's why. There actually is no such thing as Chloe, who's from Chicago, who loves teal, shops at Whole Foods. Um, she has a French bulldog. She loves the color te- uh, mentioned teal. Uh, she uses Pinterest um, and and buys things uh, from on Pinterest, or you know, I'm trying to think of another brand. Like like this this over complicated view of she's 26. She does this. When we when we try to make people so specific, they're not going to fall into that. If we understand that I sell products. Uh, so I rescue cats and this is a great example. So uh, when I'm going to buy cat food, there's a couple of variables here. Is this for kittens? Is this for indoor? Is this for seniors? So what types of states am I trying to, I'm trying to get to feed my cats, y'all. I'm trying to feed them this top shelf kitty food. So I need to know first base 
oh, age and stage of the cat. What am I looking for? And then, oh, what are the ingredients? Oh, it's grain-free. That's how I hit the ball. Oh, great. Positioning is not magically ninja-ing people to like, we're the number one brand for women who watch Young and the Restless and drive minivans. Like, no. Uh, I watched CT or Global growing up and my grandmother would always come over and watch uh, Young and the Restless. That's why that popped in my head. But so there's no such thing as that. Instead, make your campaigns, make your customers segments of groups. And there are very few examples, and we're not going to go into them, but they are based on biological needs that you may have. And some people have those biological needs, despite their assigned gender at birth. So we're not even going to get into that. Some people have different needs. So it's not about pink versus blue. It's not about gender identity. We want to actually understand people and what the needs they are, the needs they have in demographic information that isn't based about their gender, that isn't based about their job. It's based on the problem or state they want to go. And this is the secret because when we look at Coke Zero, who's Coke Zero or who's Coke's target customer? It's not a woman who's 33 who lives in North. No, it's mass marketing. So to create that really effective mass marketing, we understand our archetype. We understand our distinctive brand assets, the story we're telling, and how the product is just, you know, open happiness. They're not trying to get you to buy. They're at such a level of scale. You know, if you drink two of these a year, you're a heavy buyer, which is our second thing. Our second tip is have a diversified sales strategy. Sometimes just sell people one thing and be done. Like capture more of your market. Stop trying to upsell everybody on everything and think that they have to enter in here and then do this and then buy that and then buy that. You can have some heavy buyers, you can have some moderate buyers, and you can have some light buyers. I mean, who doesn't want to capture their whole market of all the opportunity of sales? So these two work hand in hand of as far as mistakes and things that we don't want to do. We don't want to do this. We don't want to complicate our customer. And then we don't want to limit our customers to just one sales strategy. So the flip side of this is we have a more open understanding of a decomplicated customer that's driven by the brand science tenets of helping them go to this this state, this newer state. It's solving their problem. What you know, grain free kitten food. You know, um, Coke Zero. Uh, so we want to help them um, by decomplicating your customer persona, and then also create opportunities and avenues to diversify your sales. So those are the two things that that stick out. You're like, don't do this. Those would be the ones. And actually, this is the same Fortune 500 stuff that that um, big brands are doing. And they actually pay millions of dollars to access at, uh, pay-for-play institutes. So Mondelez, all the big brands, um, all the big brands are paying to access this same science that we're talking about today. And that's the same thing that they're learning as well. So that's why I want to share that uh, with everybody here today. That is such a different approach than other brand. I probably had four or five different people approach brand on, on the show, brand experts. And that's the first. So very interesting take. I'm going to give myself a bell. Oh, thank you. I received that. (laughs) All right. So Kelsey, I think we have three or four questions here. You want to get into those? All right, sure. Some of these are comments and questions, okay. and they're all mixed up yeah. together. So, first one is a, a quote from Neil, um, quoting Marty Newmeyer. So, uh, a brand is a person's gut feeling about a product, service, or company. 
Um, also, I think Norm and I, we just listened to, um, or someone presented recently about uh, Jeff Bezos's comments. Oh, yeah, about yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which, let me just find it. I wrote it down. Um, your brand is what other people say about you when you're not in the room. So that's another one. So uh, any thoughts on that? Uh, the... mm, so here's the thing. I can kind of like, so I'm a big fan of logic. And... Oh, Kelsey's gone. Hopefully he's still listening. Um, I'm at still the here. end of the day, oh, there you are. I feel so much better when you're in the room with me at, when you ask a question and then just leave. Um, but I can get behind this in in the vein of a logical scientific approach that based on memories, the memories and experiences that are have that people are having, if those are the people that if those are the things that are driving that gut feeling, then yes. Um, but so that's kind of a, you know, because the gut feeling, that's how we, that's how we reach people with the system one, system two thinking where we're connecting with them and always sharing those memories so that when they're ready to buy, oh, they have those memories and they're ready to buy. I pull into the gas station. I don't be like, oh, I just saw this 99 cents promo for Coca-Cola or Pepsi. I'm going to go buy one. That's, it just reinforced it when you were ready. It wasn't what drove you to pull into the station very seldomly. So the, 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 there's a lot of conversations that we can have about brand. And I appreciate Marty Newmar and all the work. I feel like I'm having a different conversation than he is. Um, I'm having more about the science of how it works and how mm. things function. And, and he may be more on the experiential side. I don't disagree with him, but I do want to point out that I do believe there's two different conversations going on and they're worth having. Okay, awesome. Um, all right, our next question is uh, specific, but I think we can stretch this out into uh, a broader one. But uh, from Rad, we cater to the outdoor community. How can we become like the REI brand or another big brand? Mm, interesting. Um, thanks, Rad, for that question. Um, and as an Eagle Scout, I love you already. Uh, great outdoor uh, nature stuff is important. Um, so here's the interesting thing is... Uh, the, I'm going to point you back to the quantum theory. And the quantum theory is the just a sciencey thing that says you're based on the energy. Your, your identity is based on the energy you have. And you can't change unless that's from within or from outside. And when we think of branding, how you, the question you're saying, how do you become like the REI brand? And I would say, how do we become as in fill in an adjective as successful as nationwide as scale? Like, there's a factor that I want to point in that maybe you didn't allude to, and, and hopefully I can prompt you to think about this. What are the factors that you like about the REI brand? Um, I think the few things that REI does well is they have a community-based approach, um, you know, with some of their sales opportunities with, with people that work there. Uh, this co-op, uh, now it's kind of rebranded as REI co-op. The products that they select, there's high user testing. So think about what are the factors. And I just pulled out a few. So maybe that's getting um, people in your community to come on and share, like in that co-op approach, here's the products they love and they tested them and they maybe share, excuse me, they share, uh, you know, reviews of products. They actually show videos of here we are camping. Think of ways, but go back to the archetype. What is, is it, you know, maybe you have this explorer, but what's the other kind of archetype that is there? Is it expert? Is it, you know, uh, jester, you know, like have fun, live outdoors because that's what life is good does. 
Like if you don't think that's possible, that's what life is good does. They have a gesture like, man, life is good, like outdoor, like clothes and stuff, you know, um, or so, so think of what is the complementing ah, yes, to be successful. So uh, think of what are the factors that you want. Um, really at the end of the day, the, the things we talked about today is have your distinctive brand assets, go through the checklist. That's the first thing. That's the first step for anybody to have. The second thing is, you know, work through what is your why and your archetype. You know, the archetypes are just the simple lenses of the stories and the motivators really get, get to the heartbeat. Ask your customers questions. One of my favorite cartoons is uh, it's these like three old guys in an office that says, this is going to be the number one product for girls ages 14 to 16. And the other one goes, has she seen it? No, not yet. And that's two points because that's funny because A, they don't know their audience. They're not talking to them. They didn't test it. But two, unseen is unsold. So if people don't know who you are and they haven't seen you somewhere, they haven't heard of you, they don't know of you, they're not talking about you. If they can't experience you somehow, you're just a store. In the don't middle want to of say the that in a hurtful way. No, you're just you, a store. Yeah, you are so bang on. Thank you. Yeah, so, so anyways, I hope that helps. I hope that prompts some conversations. And if anybody's interested in like, oh my gosh, David, we need to talk more. I want to open to those questions. Uh, hit me up. Uh, we'll talk about uh, sharing that information here and again in a second. But next question. <clears throat> All right. Next question. Before we get to that, uh, just a reminder, we are doing a giveaway too. Um, so if you write hashtag wheel of Kelsey, you can be entered. Uh, it's a great giveaway. It's worth over $450 and it's an hour long brand accelerator call with Steven. So uh, make sure you, you enter in the comments. I know Nier just did. Thank you, Nier. And uh, Cool Hand is loving this. He says he's re-listening re to this episode. So much uh... great content and uh, loves your energy. All right, so gets a our, <laughs> our next question. Uh, this is just to clarify about the the giveaway today yeah. uh, from uh, Gabriel. Uh, I just started an MMA Instagram, soon YouTube and TikTok. I'm trying to grow organically before I start an MMA gear brand. Although it's separate, uh, would like them to have similar branding. Does this reward still apply? Does this call oh. still? Apply? Oh, thanks, Gabe. Yeah, uh, yeah. Please, please enter and please hashtag right right away. Uh, and anybody who's interested, here's the cool thing: branding is just this container of stuff. At the end of the day, people exist everywhere, and your business is sharing what you do, who you are, and why it matters. And branding is just the vehicle that helps do that. And here's the interesting thing: the science of of how branding is effective, and the stuff that I do. It works in every category. I know that we're talking about, you know, Amazon related store stuff and getting in front of audiences, but this works for, you know, everyone from A to Z, from animal crackers to zoos. I don't know. I, I probably need to tee that up in my show notes for next time, a better example. But every category that you can think of brand science works for. And so definitely you and I on this call, anybody that on this call, uh, we're going to just talk about where you are in your business in, you know, are you an idea? Are you getting growth? Are you getting traction uh, or traction? Are you getting growth? Are you, you know, scaling are you an authority? And here's the interesting thing. Just when we think of that, like what the age and stage of your business is, it's kind of like people. When you're an infant, you do infanty stuff as a kid. You don't have to worry about chores and the same thing with your business. 
when we look at our businesses and our brands, there's different checklists and different things that we need to look at based on where we are in the agent stage of our business. And that applies to everybody. So thank you for that question. That's a great question. All right. And we have two more questions left. Um, next one is from Neil or AKA wish I was Mark Cuban. I heard someone say that when doing something, nobody else is doing, give it a name. Uh, soon you'll become the Kleenex of your niche. Do you agree with this? Uh, great question. Thanks. Uh, I wish I was Mark Cuban too. Um, <laughs> actually I don't, I don't, um, I don't, I just uh, thought that was clever. Um, that's a great question. And I love that kind of thinking. I love that kind of thinking because, um, WIMC is pointing to this idea, uh, of strategy of approach and you're, do you want to, Come work for me. Maybe being a talk. I don't know. Uh, the, the idea here is what is a naming strategy that I should employ? Um, and there's actually different types of, of naming. There's made up names, you know, um, like kazoo or, you know, some of these like weird, you know, Yahoo. Like, yeah, that doesn't like mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. It's just a made up name. So sometimes they're arbitrary words. Um, they're arbitrary concepts. So there's made up stuff. There's founders' names. Um, there's portmanteaus, like, you know, Shart. We know those two words. We can understand what they two are. And they don't name your your brand <laughs> Shart, by the way, unless it's a really good product for that category. So there's made-up names. There's founders' names. There's, you know, there's different types of naming tech, uh, nomenclature. And the strategy really de- depends on what is your archetype. What is your goal? What do you want to be? You know, Kleenex is a great example of a made-up name. Google is a mathematical term, and it just happens to be strategy-wise. There's, like, some real fun you can have with it when you go to the search pages, and it's like, Google. Um, But, like, aside from that, that's actually, like, an exception to the rule. Like, it's really, really hard to be – no one says, like, oh, can you go to the Frigidaire and get me a water? No, you say the refrigerator. So Frigidaire tried that one and it didn't work out for them. You know, um, like the, no one says, hey, can you go grab me a dude wipe? Like in anybody who's unfamiliar, it's it's basically baby wipes for dudes, which are actually the same thing. Um, we're babies when it comes to going potty. Uh, so so the irony is there. But, but the if you name it with the anticipation you want that to happen, you're already connecting yourself to the outcome and you already may have stress and frustration when it doesn't happen. So I'm going to encourage you to remove yourself from the outcome, implore the best strategy for your category that shows that you know your customer, you know your category, and the the words that you use are on point with your archetype. And if you become the Kleenex, if you become the Swiffer, here's the interesting thing. The only reason Swiffer works is because they were the first one out in their category that in a category that didn't exist. And this gets into just imagine a Venn diagram. Like it's like cleaning. It's like mopping. It's like dusting. And in the middle was where Swiffer exists. It didn't exist before, but that Venn diagram works for every category in the cookie aisle. You have baked goods, you have desserts, and you have flavors. And so some of those flavors and those colors are the same flavors and colors you're going to see over in the in the coffee creamer. So you really have to like try your best to understand what are the words and things bec- that I'm using? Am I trying to invent something that doesn't exist? The, the 
the possibility that you're creating a product that doesn't exist in the category is very, very slim. So it, employing a strategy that's going to make you the number one in that thing is going to be very difficult. It's not possible. It's kind of like being, you know, um, uh, attacked by, um, I don't know, like a manatee. Like it's, it's, it's possible. It's slim. It's, but it's not none. So hope that helps. Okay, great. And we have one last question from Marina, and then we'll head to the wheel. Uh, from Marina, if competitors start copying your brand, their colors, image styles, do you stick with your current brand style or do you change? Uh, thank you, Marina. Um, and I love your photo there. Thank you for that question. That's actually a really good question. And what's interesting is uh, flattery is kind of the highest uh, form of a compliment, to be quite honest, because what this is was what this is saying is that you're establishing trade dress. So when we think of cola, for example, and just using examples that most of us can relate to, red is what makes we think cola. So if I buy Dr. K or Publix or some off-brand or, you know, Albertsons or, um, you know, Food Lion, you know, I can't, when we see cola, it's typically red. That's a trade dress. So the color may denote the category. So that may be a question we need to ask ourselves. Does this color or asset establish a category? But then the second question is, does this color or asset or image or, or shape, um, is it specifically uh, a competitor? And if you're doing it and it's someone else's, uh, don't. Don't do that. But if some of these things are trade dress, like chocolate sandwich cookies, come in a blue container, but it's actually the use of the word Oreo. It's the use of the word Nabisco on the top. And then all the crazy flavors, because I, I just like going to the cookie owl in general, but I love to see what those freaks at Oreo are doing these days. You're like, Oh, it's a carrot cake cookie. Wow. I didn't see that coming. So it's the combination of all your assets that makes you, you. If somebody is copying more than just one intellectual property of yours, like your name your brand mark. And that's why we want to make it distinct. And so uh, you want colors, like you go to the shampoo aisle, like uh, I, I predominantly look in um, the the shampoo that most men purchase. Uh, so I don't look at the cacophony of products over here. So I know that Garnier Fructis is green and Dove is, is gray. If somebody showed up and started copying one of their colors and was gray or green, then Garnier Fructis would actually probably just get more sales. So it's actually a very unintelligent strategy hmm. because it's going to trigger us to think of them. If if this uh, if this was if this was your color, like you're hopefully going to laugh to the bank. And I think of um, speaking of banks, I think of a, a really funny um, advertisement that was in Australia, and they were promoting like just because your name your bank has the word Kiwi in it doesn't mean it's Australian. Well, they didn't care. Actually, more people thought of Kiwi Bank and started going to the Kiwi Bank. They were trying to slam them, but they were using their assets. So I'd have to test. I'd have to test those assets to find out. So I don't know that one. Smash those like buttons, by the way. Um, I'd have to test them out. That's a great conversation. I'd love to learn more. I'd love to hear more about the scenario you're thinking of. Overall, we can all ask the question, does this color or asset or thing 
denote a category or does it denote the competitor? Because sometimes there's, there's actually a loose relationship between the two. In the gray example of Oreo and Coke, like it's the combination of the shape and the color and the use of all the assets together with red. And then now you're going to blow your mind when you're I'm going to blow your mind when you go think of um, or be surprised. We want to have a positive, uh, not a destructive metaphor here. You're going to be surprised and delighted when you find that most fast food brands have red in them. From Tim Hortons to Wendy's to uh, McDonald's to Burger King, they all share red Arby's. They all have red straws and red on their, but it's the distinctive use of that color. So red doesn't actually denote any one specific brand. But if they start copying the Wendy's brand mark with Wendy and the little collar that secretly says mom on it, then we're in trouble and we hire a lawyer mm. to go after him. So hope that helps. Thanks. Thanks. That was great. I don't think we have any other questions. Do you, Kels? No, I think that's it. Okay. That's it. You're off the hook. You made it. <laughs> so you I love how he like appears and goes away. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. like a little magic podcast. Because then I usually do that to him. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, and someone said earlier, uh, I think it was, I wish I was Mark Cuban, uh, that he hasn't laughed this this much since he was, uh, uh, yeah, uh, watching a business podcast before. So uh, I, th I appreciate that. I, I that means my my marketing content and that is that I'm lighthearted uh, is actually based in truth and is true. So uh, thank you for that that affirmation of that emotional experience. See, my marketing company said, "What is the emotional experience he provides?" And then that was true. So. That's not baseless. So you are an honorary beardo. There we go. Oh, thanks. I've, <laughs> this is I've been trying since I was fifteen, and this is all I can. Get. And that's so. about it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, just one more. Uh, just mention one more time that if you are interested in today's prize, uh, it is hashtag Wheel of Kelsey time. So hashtag Wheel of Kelsey, take two people. You get a second entry, and we've got a great giveaway. Stephen, one more time, what exactly is the prize? Uh, well, it's thanks, you, Norm. And it's, it's you. <laughs> thanks, Norm. I am the prize. They get all of me for just one hour. Uh, no. So today's giveaway is an hour-long brand accelerator call. And on this call, uh, it's it's just a conversation where I ask you about your business. Um, and actually, we'll connect and I'll ask you a few questions so you can be prepared to think these through. But we're going to talk about you know the brand authority pyramid, where you are in the agent stage of your business, where you want to go, and what you believe is standing in your way. And then I'll have the opportunity to respond back and share with you some opportunities that, uh, based on brand science that offer you an opportunity for low risk growth. Uh, that's really the most important thing is that, you know, what are some things like the things we talked about today were, you know, your customer avatar and sales strategy, those are low risk. You, like there's little to no risk in saying, let me sell to more people, less, more, or a lot. So you're going to walk away feeling empowered. Uh, know what to work on and what to prioritize next in your brand. Um, and so looking forward to connecting with you on that call to All our right. lucky listener. Fantastic. Let's head over to uh, one of our sponsors and then we'll come back to the Wheel of Kelsey, which you've never seen before. Mm. This episode of Lunch with Norm is sponsored by VAA Philippines. Looking for a high quality virtual assistant for your business? With the rigorous screening, intensive Amazon and Walmart training, and ongoing professional development, 
get the peace of mind with skill and motivated virtual assistants for a long-term working relationship. Hire through VAA today. And now let's get back to the show. All right. Now, Kelsey, All right. It's, it's time. Here we go. It's the Wheel of Kelsey. It's time for the Wheel of Kelsey. All right. All right. Didn't know if you're expecting that, Stephen, but uh, that's the way. I, I am surprised and delighted. <laughs> uh, it's always great to see the guest reactions when we uh, when pop that on. Um, but uh, here we go. The Wheel of Kelsey. We do this every single podcast, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So we're going to shuffle these up. We got a lot of entries today. And let's see who today's winner is. Marina, pick me. <laughs> If you are the winner, please email me K at lunch with Norm. And looks like Neil is Neil the winner. Neil got it. All right. All right. Congratulations. Please email me K at lunch with Norm.com uh, to get your prize. And we'll connect you with Steven. And uh, uh, yeah, I think that's it. Okay. All right, sir. Thank you so much for being on. I mean, it, this was a, a blast. The time flew by, and uh, yeah. I, I had a really great time with you. Well, thank you so much. And just a reminder for everyone, uh, links down here. Uh, you can find, find the links there. Um, in the What are in the links? Why would you want to click on this? Well, the first thing, you can see how your brand is doing with my brand science checklist. You can watch my award-winning talk, um, or you can join my Facebook group called Brandometry. Um, you can book me to speak or talk to speak or teach a workshop, um, or you can discover what I do at Quantum Branding and uh, some exciting things uh, happening at Quantum Branding, Norm. Um, we've got a program called Brandpreneur. It's a revolutionary 10-week intensive helping purpose-driven brand leaders uh, create an actionable plan for their brand um, using brand science. So that's a little bit about what I do. Uh, if any of those interest you, would love to talk to you more, uh, love to field questions, and love to just talk shop. Um, if you didn't, if you didn't tell, I like to talk about what I do and it's exciting for me, then you weren't listening to today's episode. No, that's, that's great. So anything brand, check it out. We've got the link there uh, multiple times and um, please join our Facebook group, Stephen. It would be awesome to have yes. you in our group. Yes. But, um, yes. We'll have to do, we'll have to do it. Some like my, my Facebook group is just like my seven cats at the rescue. So. Oh, there, there we go. Okay. Enough uh, yeah. said there <laughs> all right sir well thank you so much want more great information don't forget to subscribe by clicking here also if you want to check out our latest podcast click over here lunch with them, lunch with them, lunch with them.